and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with the A.B. Corcor Foundation for Mental Health. I'm Terry, the creator and co-host of this podcast. I've lived with depression most of my life, and I know how easy it can be to feel all alone in the experience. I'm not alone, and you aren't either. And I'm Dr. Anita Sands, a licensed clinical psychologist with a number of my own diagnoses, all of which bring a certain amount of anxiety and depression along with them. There is great power in shared experiences. We share our own as we engage in intimate and candid conversations with our weekly guests, exploring different perspectives on and experiences with depression. We keep it real because depression is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. Hello, Anita. Hi, Terry. November is National Caregiver Month, and this month we are producing three new episodes focused just on caregivers of people with depression. It's a needed and necessary one because we need to acknowledge that depression doesn't just cause harm and stress for the person who is depressed. It's also going to have at least some kind of an impact on anybody who loves them, particularly the ones who are around them the most often. Absolutely. And as I was putting this episode together, the image, Anita, that kept coming to my mind was that of a cairn. If you're not familiar with that word, picture a pile of rocks intentionally stacked and left alone a path or hiking trail as a marker. It not only helps the people who left them have confidence that they're on the correct return path, but it reassures and guides anyone who may be on the trail behind them that this is, in fact, the way someone else on the trek took. I love that image. Me too. And that is our intention with our podcast. Each weekly guest shares details of their mental health journey and sort of marks a path. And even if you chose or need a different route, there's some comfort in knowing that others have passed this way and conquered the obstacle course and that they care enough to try to help you manage yours. Last week, we introduced you to Gwen, who is willing to share some of the details of her life supporting a husband and their two teens who've also experienced depression. She was answering questions from another wife and mother who is struggling, lonely, and looking to tap into the wisdom of someone who has found ways to both care for a hurting partner and create a manageable life together for their family. Last week, Gwen addressed some of the specific questions and challenges that Margaret had asked support for. Today, she shares some of the strategies and practices that help her family and home function, in spite of the mental health challenges also under the roof. So here again is Gwen giving her voice to depression. Maintaining Hope with Depression can require intentionally looking for the glimmers in life, the small moments of joy that bring light. Even on the toughest days, there's always something good that happens. Like even when things are kind of low to the ground, you can have a funny moment. Um, We have the two crazy dogs and they help with humor, but it can just be watching a funny show or you know, making a joke about something, trying not to take things so seriously. Like some days you just have to find the little bits of joy that you can to get through the day. In addition to looking for light in the darkness, Gwen says her family's also had to agree on a number of what she calls ground rules to keep the household machine running. 
there's a lot around communication. We've had really serious conversations over the years. And these are easier to have when things aren't really, really tough. Like when things are good, you have to have these conversations, Absolutely. which is what are our ground rules that we agree to. So before coming on to talk with you, I talked with my husband about, are you comfortable with me sharing all these things? And he and I agreed together as we discussed everything that, you know, he knows that I'm the early warning system, that I'm going to be the one who's going to say to him, I can see some signs of depression creeping in. Mm-hmm. You are sleeping more. You are, you know, gaming more. You're kind of withdrawing from me. I can tell that you're a little more short-tempered, a little more irritable. Things are not normal right now. And maybe you don't realize it, but I think you should be seeing your therapist more often. And he and I agreed early in our marriage that that was okay. that he needed to be receptive to that if I was going to bring it up, because otherwise, it was just going to slip farther and farther down. And how early do you do that? I, you know, like everybody has a day when they feel crummy, and they might have a couple days, if it goes on for a week or two, and I'm not seeing it get better, I'm seeing it get worse, then I will, I will say, like, I just want you to be aware this is what I'm seeing. And I don't, it's, you can't do it with any judgment. It's just, mm-hmm. this is what I'm observing. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned about where things are heading. Because it's a, it's way harder to catch it if you wait a month oh, or two. Gosh, yes. <laughs> yes. So, it can be harder to catch, a, you know, a week or two in, too. It yes. just depends on how fast it's escalating. Yes. So tell me more ground rules. This is helpful. Um. So another thing that we do is I can't let him just opt out of things entirely. It's not fair, especially when you have kids and Mm -hmm. you're trying to do things. So we always look at things like, well, we can't, you can't do everything I want you to do, but what can you do? Or you can't do everything the household and the kids need today, Mm -hmm. but what could you do? So for example, he maybe isn't going to be able to mow the lawn that's too much energy, but he could lay in bed with the kids and read them a story at night. And so we do a lot of, we did a lot of trading off when the kids were little of, of different things, depending on where his energy was and what he was able to do in a given day. It does put a lot of pressure on the other partner Mm -hmm. to be really flexible, but I wasn't, I had to like make sure that he was still active and involved with the kids. And so we had to find the things that he could do that were easy, like driving the kids to school or picking the kids up at school was easier than some of the other things that you might have to do, like taking them out to go shopping for school clothes or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we really looked for opportunities like that. Um, And that was kind of an agreement too, is you can't just go into your room and shut the door and sleep. Like you have, like, this is going to have to happen somehow. So what mm-hmm. can you do? Mm-hmm. Understanding depression and how it affects her partner has taught Gwen that when having those serious conversations, she's got to be really mindful of both her word choice and timing. It can be tricky to open up the conversations too. So part of what I have tried to do over the years is kind of have some very I'm careful about what I say so that it doesn't create this defensive reaction. And so, you know, it's a typical advice. Don't ever say always or never, you know, kind of try to point out 
something in a way that will be more likely to be heard. So if it's something like, I can see this is a really tough week for you, mm-hmm. but we have a lot going on with the kids this week. Can we go over what's on the schedule so that we can find some things you can help with, you know, that you can take mm-hmm. that are reasonable given how much energy you have this week? Mm-hmm. So that it's just kind of an expectation that, yes, you need to pick something up without judging or making them feel bad that they can't do as much as they would like to do or would normally want to do, you know, those kinds of things. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I also was careful, I'm always careful to think about the timing. So my husband is not a morning person. I am a morning person. So by the time he gets up, especially when he's feeling more depressed, mm-hmm. he'll come out into the kitchen and I'll have already had three cups of coffee and be ready oh, to just boy. go into the whole this day. Like, here's what we're going to do. And this is, great. you know, are you ready? And do you remember that I need you to do this? So I've learned to wait a couple hours <laughs> into the day or to do it like in the evening around dinner time or whenever mm-hmm. it's, or if we go f- take the dogs for a walk or we're doing something, we're in the car driving somewhere or something that doesn't feel so like I'm shining a bright spotlight in his eyes and saying, what are you doing for me today? Right. Um, so I think that's been helpful. Also helpful is a practice of doing small acts of kindness for each other every day with the intention of reinforcing the connection that we all know depression can erode. They're just little things that we've agreed are part of our kind of commitment to each other so that on the days when you feel like you want to kill them because you're so frustrated that you have like a little niceness, a little, you know, kindness in the day, a little, it doesn't have to be romance, Mm -hmm. but it can be like pouring someone a cup of coffee, or it can be meeting them at the door when they come home, or it can be just, um, you know, my husband will, when we're sitting on the couch at watching TV at night, he'll rub my shoulders because I get tense from sitting at the computer all day. And, Mm -hmm. and those are things that I, have made an effort to say thank you for and make sure he knows I appreciate so that we we have a little bit of connection even on the times where we're where I'm feeling really frustrated because it can be really hard to find to find the love on those days. Yes and I would think it's almost like a secret language you know it's it's like I can't be there in all the ways I would like to be or that you would like me to be but I can do this just like a secret handshake almost to to remind you that even now, I still love you, even though I can't show it. That would be a, a comfort. Yeah, exactly. I like that. So we have little little things that we do that are like that, that we have talked about that are kind of part of how we stay connected on those days when it's tougher. Um, hmm. But it can, you know, it can feel very, you can feel very alone. And sometimes when a partner is really in it, you are alone, literally. But that doesn't mean yours or the rest of the family's activities have to stop. Another ground rule, make sure they don't have to. Early on, we realized that there were just going to be things I was going to do without him. And he needed to be okay with that. Mm. Because I wasn't, I couldn't always stay home because he wasn't up for something. So I would often go to things by myself or take the kids without him to things that in a perfect day he would have enjoyed going to and he felt badly mm-hmm. that he missed some of those things mm-hmm. but we agreed together that was another ground rule that we couldn't let his depression keep the whole family from enjoying life that we needed to make sure that we had those experiences 
it was hard sometimes to have them without him, but it was better than us all staying home and kind of missing out. And how would you explain that to the kids? You say, Dad just can't today, or is there some language that you all understand? I mean, with your kids also experiencing depression, I assume they're maybe a little more understanding than somebody who doesn't. Yeah, when they were little, it was before that had happened. So I think I think they questioned it, and so did our friends mm-hmm. and family sure. question it. So I think it would depend on kind of the the age of the kids and the people that we were seeing and how close in they were. So I think for some people, it was just, you know, he's not feeling great today, so he's not going to be able to make it. That was all I would say. Right. Um to the kids, I might say, he wishes he could be with us today, but he's really not feeling well. So I think it's better if he stays home this time and he can hopefully come with us next time. Nice. Um, for people who know knew more about what was going on, I could just say, you know, you know that he struggles with depression. This is a particularly tough week for him or month or day or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not, you know, going to be able to make it. But the other thing that I would often do is circle around and really reinforce with those friends, like, thank you so much for inviting us. Please keep inviting us. Just because we say no a lot, mm-hmm. please don't think that we don't want to be with you and, you know, continue to include us because we will make it whenever we can. And that is a tough thing because people will... Cool. Oh, yeah. start to just oh, yeah. cut you out if you don't show up. And um, so that was something that I realized pretty early on, like, oh, we better be really vocal about this. So people understand it's not that we're just blowing you off. It's that we really have something serious going on here. And don't don't stop asking us. Yep. Oh, I want to be asked, but I'm not coming. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We wish we could be there every single time. But please mm-hmm. keep asking. It sounds like you have to really think about everything, you know, be very, very careful about what you say, probably what you don't say, how you say it. And, and I assume that gets easier with practice, but we're also people. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, for God's sake, get out of bed. You know, how, how do you do what you do? And it sounds like really artfully. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm a communicator professionally, so that helps. Like, that is part right. of my job is to be able to come up with the right words. So that does help. But I think a lot of it is just practice. And a lot of it is taking a breath and remembering that the person that I fell in love with, the person that I married, the person that I want to build my life with is still in there, even on the days where he's harder to find. Hmm. Oh, We've got to repeat that for anyone else who needs to hear it again. Take a breath and remember that the person you fell in love with, the person you married, the person you want to build your life with, is still in there, even on the days when they're harder to find. An easily lost part of the care equation can be finding or showing a similar level of empathy, love, and grace to ourselves as caregivers. I think the other thing is you get, you got to find your people that are going to take care of you. So I found a support group for moms of kids who had depression and severe kind of emotional things when my son was younger. And it's interesting because it ended up being very helpful for my relationship with my husband as well. 
And the first night we all got together, the woman who hosted it and brought us all together made tea for all of us and put it in these beautiful little china cups and she had little cookies and she just like poured the tea for us all. And um, I think people, especially moms who have a depressed husband, just don't get taken care of very much. And it's really hard. And so not everybody has money to go to a spa or get their nails done or things like that. But if you can find people who kind of buoy you, make you feel better, take care of you, you know, are kind to you and generous. And that could be a therapist that listens to you, Mm -hmm. or it could be a friend or people at your church or wherever you find that support. Um, I have two close friends I walk with every Thursday morning. And like that hour in the morning before I go to work is one of the best hours of my week because it's just about us feeling good and being together and we don't tend to talk about heavy things we tend to talk about books where we wish we could read or shows we're watching or whatever um i think finding that support somewhere is really really important and it's okay to leave the husband to deal with things to go and be with the people that that lift you up and keep you standing so you can keep the family going. Like that's another thing that we've kind of come to like tonight, I'm going out to dinner with some girlfriends and like, they might eat cereal for dinner. Like it doesn't really matter. Like it's just the reality of that's something that you have to prioritize more than most people because you're not necessarily getting as much support at home and you're probably running on empty most of the time. So it's just, more, it's so important. And it's not just like, oh, I'm going to go have a fun social night. It's like you're, you're filling up your bank. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's an aspect of having to be honest about what is happening in order for them to be able to buoy you up. It's, you know, if we're pretending everything's fine, they, they don't have that opportunity. And I understand stigma and I understand you don't want to get heavy all the time, but I mean, It'd be nice to be able to say, when someone says, how are you doing? Say, it just sucks right now. It's so hard. I'm I'm just hurting. I'm sad. I am empty. And have somebody just give you a hug and, you know, give you whatever, two, three, five, ten minutes to just blah, get it out. And then say, yes. okay, you know, now let's not talk about this because I prefer a little bit of time where my mind isn't focused on it. But that doesn't happen unless we make it happen because nobody's really going to ask because nobody wants to hear anything other than fine most of the time except your therapist. Yeah, I have a very short, I have a very short list of trusted friends where I, that is exactly how it works. And we all can kind of share those things with each other and be supported. Um, And you kind of find over, over time that you weed out the people that are judgy and that you feel like you can't be open with. Mm -hmm. Um, so, cause it's just, life is short. Like if you, if you're dealing with the kind of life that, that, you know, we're talking about here, um, you can, you don't, you don't have friends just to have friends or just to be out in certain social circles or whatever. You, you kind of find your core people and you, you stick with them. In addition to hopefully finding our core people, it can also be really helpful to be aware of and to access available resources. I would love to point people to the resources uh, that Families for Depression Awareness offers to caregivers. Mm -hmm. So their website is familyaware.org, and they have lots of educational 
information about depression and in particular how to care for others in your lives, loved ones that have depression. And then I also think, you know, just finding some support, whether you join a babysitting co-op and you can have somebody take your kids sometimes for you, like getting creative to find ways to have time to yourself or to have time where you're alone with your spouse so that you're not always in like, it's like combat mode is what it feels like sometimes. Like you're just trying to get through the day, get through the day, but to try to create some space where you can just hang out and maybe you just lay on the couch and watch a movie, but that you're spending some time together where it's not so, um, it's not so loaded and charged with what they're not doing or what they're not able to do, but you can just have fun at face value for what you're doing together in that moment. But you kind of have to have a place to, you need someone to take your kids off your hands every once in a while. And if you can't afford a babysitter, you might have to get creative, but Mm -hmm. um, I definitely encourage people to, to spend time together doing whatever they're able to do at that time. Like it can be super simple, but just to, to bond and spend time together. And likewise with your kids to do some things that are fun. And instead of feeling like you're always on the, hamster wheel of stuff you have to get done and it's okay to have a messy house and to not eat you know fancy dinners and to not go to every parent activity at school and like to just let all that go because your family is just not in a place where they can do all of the things you have to pick the things that you really care about and not try to do everything So Terry, there was so much good information in this, but the two things that really kind of popped out at me that I think are important to emphasize, one was that whole time that she was talking about, remember who your partner was before the depression. Yes. You know, and try to keep that image in your mind alive. Use that as your guide for how you gently, respectfully, you know, firmly need to, you know, to bring up tough conversations um, because it's going to be hard sometimes when you're really, really depressed to to look like that same person to anybody. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, to me, that is, again, one of those wonderful ways that we keep a relationship going in hard times. Uh, no matter how you're being, your partner's being is like, go back to when they were at their, you know, at, at their best. And not only that that person you love and chose to be with and choose to be with is in there, but that they're not choosing to feel and behave the way they do. I mean, I understand mm-hmm. that we have some choices in how we react to the depression, but having it usually is not our choice. And mm-hmm. so I really like both of those things being just brought up because, as you say, it's hard to remember that. You're like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, stop it, you know, or start it, you yeah. know, whatever whatever yeah. you might be needing. But yeah, yeah it was beautiful. And it, it's nice to hear someone speak lovingly of a partner with depression mm-hmm. because... It's easy to speak with frustration. Yes, yes. That's why I really, I really love that that suggestion. And the other thing that I think uh, really stood out for me was when she said, you really have to find your core people. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that you don't have to pretend around that you can be honest with that when you need that support or that understanding that you can't do certain things or you need to modify expectations that they somehow don't then just desert you. And it does take time to find those people who, you know, will kind of stick with you through 
you know, good times and bad times. But I think that that's essential that you don't isolate yourself from the support of other people. You don't try to keep a facade up that everything is fine, that you can be honest, at least again, with that core group of people mm-hmm. about what's really happening and, and what you need in terms of support. You may find it easier to find people who understand if they're also living with some sort of a mental health challenge or someone who is, because uh-huh. maybe you can't really understand it. Maybe, you know, it's, it can't be judgmental and go, you don't understand because how could they? They're uh-huh. not experiencing it. And yeah. the friends in my world, you know, who I can say when they ask, how are you? You know, who I don't say uh-huh. fine or just tired to, you know, and I'm like, yeah. wow, I don't, I don't know what's going on right now. And I hope that I'm not getting, you know, if I get any closer to the slippery part, I'm going to have to do something. You, I can't say that to most of the people in my life. So mm-hmm. it, it may help to find other people and that might be online and that might be in a support group or that might be, you know, in a therapist's office or, or you know, a group therapy mm-hmm. situation. But it might be easier to get that support from somebody who has lived it. Mm-hmm. And now that we have Gwen uh, willing to share this experience, and and it will be you know on on the podcast forever, that might be something that you could you could link to you know in a text or an email to a friend to say thank you for being part of my core group. Oh, I like that. And let them listen to it, which again gives would give somebody an even better understanding of how you know what what a person is going through if they're managing depression in their household, as well as how to be supportive. So. I think, you know, again, the more information that we get out to others about this is really what it's like, and this is what I really need when it's like this, um, I think people could step up and do a better and better job of supporting those Mm -hmm. people. That's a great idea. We will link that way. And we will also link, good segue, Anita, to resources available online from really good organizations like Families for Depression Awareness, Mental Health America, Anxiety and Depression Association of America. And they have specific links to support for caregivers, or that's the function and the focus of their organization. So there are resources out there, and we encourage you to access them because, as you heard in the first of these three episodes with Margaret, it is isolating and hard, and it can really put you in a bad place yourself, caring deeply for somebody with depression. And then then both of you are in pretty bad places, and, and it's really hard to do something constructive and healthy from, from that depleted space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything we can do to support caregivers so that they take good care of themselves while they're also trying to take care of others, and that we just do the best job we can if we know someone in that situation to support them while they're dealing with it. That's what we're working for. All right. So thank you to Margaret for her initial outreach. And thank you to mm-hmm. Gwen for coming to us and to her with some answers and suggestions and advice and things that have worked for you, because that's how we learn. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate and reflect on your own experience with depression, or better understand how to support someone else who is struggling. If this episode has been of comfort or value to you, know that there are hundreds of others like it in our archive, which you can easily find at our website, givingvoicetodepression.com. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up, even if it's hard. If someone else is struggling, take the time to listen.